wow, if I could just be authentic and truthful with myself, and if I could just get real about understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing, then I could uh, go a little bit deeper and express a genuine interest in some people around me. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another fun episode of the Flip My Funnel podcast. I cannot believe this, that today, this is the, you know, Bob is one of my favorite, favorite people to follow. I love everything he does. And I had a chance to just spend uh, almost two days with him when he was in Atlanta doing the Dream Big Workshop. I uh, will get into a whole bunch of things about who Bob is and some of the stories. It, it's funny, me and my kids, we're actually reading I've read the Love Does book that he wrote, which is a New York Times bestseller. I highly recommend. But my son is also reading the Love Does book for kids. And it's funny that a lot of the stories are similar, but it, it allows him to connect at a completely different level than it did to me. So a lot of great conversations. So, Bob, I just wanted to welcome you to the show, and thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks a million for having me on, Sangram. This is good stuff. I'm glad that you have people that are engaged and want to grow and learn and so let's just jump in. Yeah, so let's start with a fun fact about yourself, and then we're going to talk all about just public speaking and storytelling and all that stuff. But let's start with a fun fact about yourself. Well, let's see. A fun fact. I got thrown out of kindergarten after one day. <laughs> Not just do that? expelled for the day, expelled for the year. They said, buddy, you're just not ready. And I don't know what I had done, some kind of high crime, no doubt. Um, but they kicked me out big time. And so I knew from an early age that uh, education school wasn't for me. But what ended up changing over time is that I started loving education. I loved schools. And so now, from a pretty inauspicious beginning, I spend all my time like starting schools. <laughs> yeah. So you have been a lawyer for 25 years. Then you, one day, you decided that that's not for me. You, 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 you handed over the keys to some uh, the other person. Now you're also the honorable counsel for Uganda. And uh, you obviously are writing and you're dedicating the rest of your life to writing, speaking and doing all kinds of cool things. How do you transition? How did you transition from that to this? Yeah, you just kind of like if you, it's uh, the difference between driving a car that's a stick versus automatic. Yeah. You just use a lot of clutch. <laughs> <laughs> and so for each of us, the clutch uh, will be the things that are the most important to you in your life. And so for me, that would be faith that isn't for everybody, but just find for all of your listeners, find the thing that you think is more important than anything else. That's your yeah. clutch yeah. and push it in real hard when you're making changes. <laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that. So let's and Model A's, Model A's, they used to have to double clutch them because the clutch <laughs> the first time wouldn't work. So you'd have to put it in twice. <laughs> That's a good I, life I, lesson right there. No doubt about that. Like, so growing up in India, I have, I have, I think I just, broke the clutch maybe too many times <laughs> trying to double clutch it. <laughs> on the journey, now you recently also uh, started this new course on public speaking. And 
I have seen you speak at North Point uh, here in Atlanta, obviously at the Dream Big Workshop. I think it was like, like pretty cool to see you in action. And, and obviously you're one of the best storytellers that I know. What is, and I literally went in, so I highly recommend, I'll have it in the show notes for people who want to go join this thing. But talk to me a little bit about what does storytelling mean to you or what does public speaking mean to you? I'll give you a great example. I'm a note taker. So for instance, when you and I were laughing about how you put in the clutch, that's the first time I've ever thought about that. And it's not going to change my life or anybody else's life, but it's a concept that feels poignant. And so before I forgot that, I just typed into my iPhone one of 150 emails I'll send myself today. And all I just said is put in the clutch. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, tonight when I get home, I'm going to get all of these emails and I'll be like, him again, block. Um, (laughs) but, But what I'll remember is this conversation you and I had and the concept that we talked about is how you make transitions between things. And then what that emoted for me is the, the uh, mental picture of putting in the clutch. And, and that meant to find the thing you, uh, that meant the most to you, the thing that you could rely on the most, and to press real hard on that. Yeah. And so somehow we go through our days, and if you aren't super intentional about writing these things down, you'll miss the best stories in your life. Yes. Uh, these little fleeting memories. I've been doing this, Ingram, for over 20 years. I have almost 2 million words written down five words at a time, like put in the clutch. <laughs> wow. wow. So what I would say to people, whether it's public speaking or communicating a message or just remembering stories to tell and pass on to the people that you love the most, I would write it down. Because if you don't write it down, it's like this dog that runs across the field. You could whistle, it'll never come back again. <laughs> yeah. And that is so true. Like, you, you can't, like, I feel like a lot, every single time I've seen you speak, I think, and, and I remember this very clearly, and I made a ton of notes when you were speaking about a lot of these ideas that dream big, you literally had these prompts in, the, in your presentation. Yep. They were not even words. They were literally a prompt of a burger. And then you will have a whole story around like, you know, how, how advertising is nice. You had a whole story around that. Then you had a prompt about just a rope or, or something. And then you had a whole cliffhanger story that you shared after that. So is, is prompt a way for you to kind of just click back into the story? And, and then yeah, kind of share yeah great question. Google did a uh, study and they found that people will remember 3% of the bullet points that you put up but they'll remember 97% of every image that you show. So I'll find images. I'll probably send my friends here that help me get organized five or 10 images every single day. I won't go and speak somewhere without having sent them in advance 1,000 images. (laughs) And it just blows their minds. They're like, wait, what? Because forget the PowerPoint program that has like, you know, 30 slides on it and all that. That's a, that's a speech. And people, it's a great way to communicate information. If you want to know how many boats are in the Sea of Galilee, put it on a slide and everybody will forget it because nobody cares. But if you talk about something that floats your boat and you yeah. put up heliskiing or you put up a picture of your kid or you put up the thing that matters, use not just as speaking tools, uh, but to use these as like life tools that uh, I'm always on the lookout for something that will capture 
a moment, capture an idea. That Burger King image of it, it reminds me that we're bombarded with 5,000 messages every day. And so I think in the context of a faith community, that we're not like an advertisement for Jesus, we're proof. And so I want to be evidence yeah. of him. The way you evidence it isn't to give people information, it's to give them help. And, uh, and so I'm just like, I say, don't give people information, give them help. That will be something I would write down again, because I don't want to forget that. And it makes sense to me. I go like, that's actually true. And, and if you uh, yeah. are completely uninspired from a gathering that you're at, it's because they just gave you a bunch of information. And information yeah. doesn't have the power to change our lives. Stories do. Stories so do find work. the best yeah. ones. And always yeah. being a lookout. I love you guys in Atlanta always burn down your highways every once in a while. <laughs> Just That's because a you great can. mental picture. <laughs> yes. And I've got, I haven't found a picture of that, but that makes me want to hunt for one. But there's a, uh, I, I took a picture the last time I was in Atlanta and a guy was in his pickup truck and he had a beautiful dining room table in the back. And every time he hit a bump, the dining room table would be moved six inches back towards the <laughs> end of the pickup truck. It wasn't tied down. And so I'm trying to get the guy's attention and waving yeah. my arms. I'm like, your table, your table. And uh, he's just like crazy guy at nine o'clock. And eventually the table, you know, predictably fell out the back and it broke in all these pieces. And I took a picture of that, not to delight in his misfortune, because uh, he was long gone. He just kept driving. But to remind myself about to heed these warnings when people come along. Mm. They're trying to get my attention for a reason. And so yeah. it's easy to really blow people off, particularly people who are difficult to deal with. But I don't want to be really quick about blowing people off. I don't need to uh, give them the microphone of my life. But if somebody's giving me a warning or, or there's a thing that feels like this cautionary tale, I want to actually pick up on that. I don't want to camp out there, but I want to take heed of that. Because uh, if that guy had just pumped the brakes a little bit, and uh, saw that I was pointing not at him, but his table that he probably liked a lot, uh, it would have gone a lot better. And particularly if that was his mother-in-law's table. (laughs) (laughs) I could have saved his Thanksgiving. (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. All right, so so one of the things I wanted to to talk to you and, and really learn from you was that around this idea of like, when you were doing this 25 years of law firm, like, you know, it sounds like the most, like very serious kind of job to do, right? And then you have this incredible alter ego personality or something like that that is 100% like, you know, there cannot be more joy or fun other than like just being with you or just be you. Um, One of the things I was like, how do you find time to write books? Like, was that part of your, these a million or two million words that you continuously put it out there and then you kind of pull it all together? How did the writing love does book come together? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just feel like I'm constantly writing a book. You know, I, I have another sentence and it talks about putting in the clutch. I've got <laughs> another story about a table falling out the back. I'm going to, uh, uh, next today, run out. I've been digging a lake. I bought this uh, place to help people just get better, to deal with their issues. I'm trying not to cuss, but like, just get your stuff out there and we'll do the laundry. (laughs) So it's a really big camp. And I was walking around and I found a lake. Can you believe that? There's (laughs) actually a lake, but it's silted in. There's no water in it. This lake had been built 42 years ago. They built a dam that was 25 feet 
high. And over the last 42 years, it silted right to the uh, top. So it just looked like a flat spot. And I'm like, damn, (laughs) there's a light there. So I got an excavator. Hmm. And for the last four or five days, I've been digging down. I've been digging deeper. (laughs) And I would say, in answer to your question, when it comes to career, when it comes to how you navigate uh, the things that are important to you, I would just dig a little deeper. Um, And it's going to take a little time to get there. And what you'll realize that these flat spots are actually reservoirs that have been created and overlooked in your life. You just got silted in over time. That's what happens when you're young, when you're eight years old, you're just so expressive and hopeful and all that. And then the silting in happens. (laughs) And then you get to be 30 or 40 or 50 and you wonder where all the water is. And it's just because there's no room for it anymore. And I think what we get to do is just get the biggest excavator you could find and do that. Trauma will do that for us. A tremendous loss will do that for it. It'll do some really painful excavation in our life. I'm not angling for that. It, It just finds all of us. And when it does, to take a serious look at that and to say, I want to, since I'm here, I want to dig a little deeper and understand why that hurt my feelings or why the relationship was lost or why I messed up in the huge way I messed up. Get really authentic about it because the underlying principles, you can't fix it if you don't understand it. And yeah. so well, this idea of self-awareness for all of us in business, in your family, there's some intergenerational stuff that's gone on where your parents were kind of whacked out and they're whacked out because their parents were whacked out and they passed it all on to you and you're whacked out. So you don't need to stay whacked out. What you can do is to say, let me understand what's really going on here. That this is for me, for instance, I'm a really bubbly guy, but I'm really insecure. And most, most people wouldn't understand that you and I've spent some time together talking about that, but like uh, what we do is we mask or or deal with our insecurities each in our different ways. Some people get really mean. <laughs> we have one in the White House. Well, some people get really quiet. I'm married to one. Oh, mm-hmm. some people get really funny. I'm that guy. And yeah. so one of the ways, if we get to understand, and it's going to involve digging a little bit deeper, it's going to take a moment of pause where you put in the clutch and you can just say, I want to say to myself, I don't want to miss these cautionary signs along the way that if I am afraid to go deep with people and actually be authentic, this may be me silting in. And what you'll find is that all of your stories will weave together. It's not like a card trick. You'll find purpose and meaning in the stories and you'll uncover some of these things. But you got to be looking because you won't find it if you're not looking. It puts so much into context, Bob, because the part around insecurity, it's, it's interesting you say that because my, I would call, talk to my, whenever I talk to him and meet my wife, I would just say, I love you. And she'd be like, yeah, uh, yeah. And she, and I would say that maybe 10 times a day. And in one day she asked me like, why do you say it so many times? And I was hurt. You know, like, don't you want a husband who says, I love you? I thought that's what you want. And she's like, but I know that. And you do that in so many ways. And, 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 I, and she's like, I don't feel compelled to always respond with, I love you. And, that, and if she doesn't, then I feel hurt. Like, why didn't she say, I love you too? And yeah. she's like, well, because I'm not insecure. And that made me realize, 
man, I am really insecure for whatever reasons growing up. I was one of the five kids. Uh, I was always the youngest kid in the, the like a 20 people family um, that we had back home. So I felt like my whole life, I have been like wanting this validation from the person that's, that I'm with is that, hey, I love you because I probably didn't hear those words as many often times that I wanted to. And I, I double, triple down on that with my wife and that always is not the best thing. So, so it's really interesting you talk about insecurity because it's so true and it plays in so many different ways. You know, it's so uh, interesting too. think for your listeners of somebody that you work near or work close to and, and they're actually very difficult to get along, very stone-faced, very uh, off-putting in their attitudes towards everybody. It's probably somebody that's really insecure, and that is a way to guard their hearts, to just keep everybody at a distance. And so I'm not trying to say like to be a junior psychologist and get inside everybody's head, but to just know that like you, they're dealing with the own things in their life, and to have a little empathy for that, somebody's acting in a really peculiar way, no doubt there's something going on underneath it, and to just chill out a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> just, helps. Helps. just relax a little bit, knowing that there's something a little bit deeper going on. I love it. All right. So I'm going to summarize the top two or three big ideas. I got a, I got a bunch of notes here. Um, so I'm just going to go through that. And uh, I'd love for you to share a challenge in the end for everybody who's listening, because a lot of the people who listen to it are in leadership roles, in marketing, sales, and CEOs of companies. And, and I think speaking is part of their life, like communication is, if you talk to anybody, you need to know how to communicate and get your point across. So, so big ideas. I love this idea of clutch. I can't wait for your, in your next book for this to be one of those things, because I think everybody needs to know how to use their clutch and when to double, double down on that one. And I could literally feel and visualize the feeling of it, like when to use and when to not. So I, I love that. Uh, the second big idea, I use Evernote for this, where I would just put a bunch of different like ideas that come to me throughout the day. Um, so, I, so I think we're very similar in the nature of like, there are all these ideas just passing by us. And if you don't capture it somewhere, it doesn't even have to have context. It doesn't have to have just words that somehow at that very moment spoke to you. So if you're one of them listening to it, like just capture it. Like don't worry about what the end goal is or anything. Just capture it and then slowly, as you said, Bob, the, the pattern will start emerging and the points will start connecting. So I, I love that as a way of just curating that information. And, and one thing you said, and, and anybody who's doing public speaking or just communicating, uh, and we have a board meeting tomorrow, so I, I know this is how important this, all these things are. You shared a study that says that only 3% or so uh, people would remember the numbers. 97% of the people, they, they, they actually remember either the images that you shared or the story you told. So get back to the storytelling. That's the, that's the oldest way of communicating, the best way of communication, the best war, unfortunately, wars, or probably when you said, I love you, all of these were words. And so we need, need to go back to storytelling part of it. You mentioned one more thing that towards the end, uh, which I'm taking going to take a big thought, like really spend some time on it, which is digging deeper and excavating what is the thing that you really care about to focus on. So if you're in a transitionary role, you're trying to figure out where to go right now, like it's, you know, the time is probably right for you to start thinking about that, then 
think about like, what do you really want to do? And a lot of times this whole dig deeper conversation doesn't happen by just yourself. You need a group of people that you can trust and can open up and they can tell you the truth. So I think there's a lot, you can't fix it, as you said, unless you understand it. So I think that's a really, really big idea too. So those are some of the stoners that I'm going to include, but I'd love for you to share a challenge. Well, I think what it's going to take is a level of authenticity that maybe uh, is uncomfortable for us or that we haven't experienced before. So if you want to carve this new groove in your brain, like we've talked about before, and then to go Grand Canyon on it, not just be a little groove, to say we have to do some of that excavation. We need to do some of the work. And it starts with authenticity. I have a couple of friends that work for me in India. And so when they would introduce me uh, with their accent, when they'd say, this is Bob. And instead of saying he's a lawyer, it would come out, he's a liar. <laughs> I've done it myself some time ago. Yes, I remember. <laughs> I know. It's all in the intonation. And, uh, and so it made me pause and to think like, wow, if I could just be authentic and truthful with myself, and if I could just get real about understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing, then I could uh, go a little bit deeper and express a genuine interest in some people around me, the people I work with, the people I live with, the, the people that God has dropped in my life, and to be authentic with them. Then, as you say, to catch these opportunities, if you think of them, you're running through a field and there's butterflies everywhere, I wouldn't catch one and put a pin in it, but I would definitely get my net out and catch it long enough to take a look at it. And to just yeah. delight in how it's beauty. And sometimes we're moving just so fast that you don't, you see maybe all the butterflies, but you don't see one thing. So I would get one thing in front of you, this myth of multitasking that you could get everything in front of you. Just do one thing at a time. And just sub, uh, set aside a little bit of time for yourself. Think of it as like tithing 10% of your time to more self-awareness and to be other aware. And to say, I'm going to do it as a function of my expression of my faith. I'm going to do it because it's a great business practice. I'm going to do it. Figure out why you're going to do it, but do it. But I want you to figure out why you're doing it. Because if you don't know why you're going to do it, you won't do it. You'll do it once and then you'll be blown off and you'll do something else. So if we understand why we're doing what we're doing, then we're set. So I'm going to go dig a lake. And it's more than just moving some dirt. It's actually going to be this teachable moment. I'm going to get the lake dug, but I'm going to actually be thinking about some of the things in my life because it's a little monotonous. I'm moving just big scoops of dirt, but I'm going to make good use of that time. I'm not going to just be in the cab all alone. I'm going to have a pen and some paper with me. When I think of something, I net that butterfly. And I'm going to say, can I go a little bit deeper with that? Can I understand it more? It's not because I want to make a big speech. I want to live a big life. I want to live a life of engagement, and that's the way you do it. And it'll be in the small things, just doing those things really well and with with the kind of candor and self-awareness that we've been talking about. I think your listeners will know that's a beautiful thing. You can kind of self-prescribe. If you don't feel like you're aware of where you could grow, then ask somebody who's a kind voice and trustworthy. This idea of constructive criticism is usually just criticism all dressed up. <laughs> so don't find somebody who's going to criticize you. Find somebody who's already demonstrated that they're committed to you in your life, that they love you, that they want to see you grow. And then to say, don't tell me every way I can grow. Just tell me one way I can grow. Uh, because otherwise, oh. it's too many butterflies. Just yes. tell me one thing. I could be working on this week. I want to be aware of that. It's like 
word of day, except your vocabulary doesn't get better, your life gets better. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I love that. It's, yeah, it's funny. So wrap up with this. Um, Manit and I, we started this thing literally as of two days ago, which is one new thing a week that we can oh, start nice. As, yeah. a, as a couple and then the, my kids got involved in it too so like so we started like what is the simplest pain like painless thing that we could do but it's still something that we do for seven days we get comfortable now that's part of a routine now i will go and start you know add on to the next good thing we want to do so we like we research like what are the top best things to do uh, to improve your life or just health and everything and it was like well as soon as you wake up just drink a glass of water before you do anything else, it, it, it actually rejuvenates your body, your mind, it wakes you up, it hydrates your body, it's awesome, but make sure to do that when you're sitting down. So it's funny, from last two days, our whole family is sitting down and sipping a glass of water, and it's like the most fun thing to do right yeah. now for us. That's beautiful. Uh, Sweet Maria Goff and I have two chairs that we sit in every single morning. We light a little fire, and we've been doing this for you know 25 years, I bet. And, uh, and when our daughter was uh, dating a guy and then he was going to propose, what was really beautiful is that he made two chairs out of, uh, by himself and he was set them up in a location and yeah. came and saw her because her fondest memory was waking up, going downstairs and seeing her parents sitting in those two chairs. And so I want to just reinforce these habits that you create with your, with your children, with the people that you love, you're actually doing that for your great grandchildren who you may or may wow, not meet, beautiful. but you'll pass those things down. Like what's the deal with the water? And they say, well, actually we used to always wake up and we would do this thing and it became more than just hydrating. It was yeah. actually nourishing our souls. It was like yeah. starting this thing together. And so these things become these beautiful habits in your life. So well done. I'm so glad you're passing along things to people. You're living an engaged and uh, an outward facing life. And that's where the beautiful things will happen. There'll be nothing less fulfilling than making everything about us individually and everything about how we're impacting the community around us. It's totally. Bob, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks a million. Great talking to you. I'll come and splash around in my lake. I'll have it done in Jiffy. Jiffy time. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.